I've had the privilege of being in and around banking for more than 50 years. Lots of changes during that time. We've gone from ledgers to laptops, typewriters to technology. One thing, however, remains the same. Banking is a people business, and I'll be talking with those people that make banking great here on Jack Rats with Modern Bankers. Welcome to Jack Rants with Modern Bankers, brought to you by RELPRO and Vertical IQ. Each week I feature top voices in financial services, from bankers and consultants to best-selling authors and many more. The goal of this program is simple, to provide insights, success practices, and to bring new ideas to the table that you can use to maximize your results. My guest today is Ned Miller. Ned and I are cooperators. We compete and we also cooperate. So when I'm too busy to help a bank, I'll refer business to Ned and he does the same for me. It's that world of abundance mindset that we both very much believe in. Ned studied political science and Spanish at Williams College. His banking career spans international and CNI work at City and Core States. He really came into his own as a coach and trainer for Richardson and then MZ Beerley, with a stint at RMA in between. Ned's the founder of Third Act Sales and a strategic partner at Interview Group. Ned is a great industry friend and what an awesome way to start the year. It's Ned Miller on Jack Rants with Modern Bankers in 2024. Here we go. So as I mentioned in the interview, Ned is uh, one of our three amigos. Uh, A couple of years ago, I think during the pandemic, he and Nick Miller, no relation, and I did a program and it was really fun. And and I, as I mentioned again in the intro, Ned and Nick are co-operators. We've always competed. We're always professional. But when there's something that we can't do comes around, um, I'll refer it over to Ned and Nick, and they do the same thing. So, Ned, great to see you. Great to be with you, Jack. So you've seen my pot. And by the way, Ned was was significant in getting Tom Morris to me, uh, who was one of my best podcasts. And, and so I really, really appreciate that. And so you've seen my programs. And so one of the things I always love to start out with is, uh, tell me something good. And it, this is in the context of Happy New Year to you. It's 2024. It's our first program of the year. So tell me something good that's going to happen in 2024, Ned. I think there are a lot of good things that are going to happen in 2024 for bankers. One of the things that I'm seeing, Jack, and I don't know whether you're seeing it as well, is that some of the uh, people who might have been described as middle managers are getting tabbed to move into senior roles, some in their own organizations, but others moving to other banks. And I think it's an interesting time for me, in part because there's a lot of uncertainty and there's a lot of change. And, you know, 2024 for sure is going to include some of that. Uh, You know, for some, it's a challenging time. Uh, You know, I get text messages from people uh, and I got one this morning from a guy who said, it's tough. We're not lending very much. Uh, he, curiously enough, or coincidentally, he just lost a, a senior, a middle manager who had all kinds of potential. But on the other hand, I got a note from a CEO who said, we're seeing lots of opportunity. 
because a lot of people are in defensive mode. And we know that's going on. There have been in the broader macro environment, there are headwinds. This is this is a difficult time in a lot of respects. But I think when there's change, there's opportunity. Mm-hmm. And I see a lot of interesting things going on, and maybe we'll get into some of them. But I think there's uh, where where people are moving and moving for the right reasons. Greater opportunity, chance to learn, uh, chance to take on uh, a bigger role. It's a great time for people like you who uh, who really strive to educate people in so many different ways. I laud all the work you've done, his, you know, for banking schools. Uh, I think this podcast is phenomenal. I hope people take advantage of it because some of the guests you have help people realize what's changing out there. You know, last year you had Jeff Marcico. You know, great insights into the banking industry. You had my friend Tom Morris, who has helped people through the years with change. And one of the books that has just been reissued by him, we may talk about what's on our reading list, but he wrote uh, another edition or revised The Art of Achievement, mm-hmm. which is an important thing for any of the people who are moving into leadership to think about how do you become successful and how do you make others successful? So I don't know that's sort of a rambling introduction to 2024. Well, you're right. And, and, and you and I both are pretty avid readers. I know you read a lot about what Dave Brock talks about, who's, who's terrific. And Tom Morris' book, True Success, is something I refer to, uh, I refer to quite often. So I, I agree with you. I think 2024 is going to be a very interesting year. And in some cases, not so good. In some cases, really good. One of the things that we were talking about before we started recording was college. Mm-hmm. I'm just curious, Ned. How do we make the industry that we love? I mean, you and I have both grown up in this industry. How do we make it more exciting for college students coming out that say, you know, banking is a really good career for me? Yeah, I think we have to work it. Uh, There are some things that people are doing. One of the trade associations that you're familiar with and that I'm familiar with is the Risk Management Association. And they've been doing this for years uh, through scholarships. So local RMA chapters can actually give uh, students a chance to uh, uh, reduce some of their tuition bills. But I think it's going to be an effort of a lot of leaders in banks of all sizes who have to go out and think about the recruiting funnel a little bit differently. Um, I, I don't know about you, Jack, but I'm pretty down on the the old model of find an experienced banker probably trained by some bigger bank, (laughs) hire them, and they'll bring over business. And, you know, in my estimation, if you're a community bank CEO and have tried that, you probably discovered that doesn't work very well. One, it may be difficult to afford some of these people, although that shouldn't be the major consideration. Two, they may not exactly have the skill set that you need, particularly if you need somebody who, for example has to function in a very different environment where resources are, if not different, they're certainly different, they're constrained. Um, and so you think about that and then you think about the cultural fit. How, how's this person gonna integrate into our culture? So I think one of the challenges, and this is one of the things that I think is really interesting that's going on, is trying to get to students sooner, try to create opportunities for them. We all know that kids are into internships. By the way, I'm into paid internships. I think anybody <laughs> that uh, 
expects to get labor for nothing is uh, is probably not somebody you want to work for. But the idea of going and attracting them really, and I'll give you a, a, an insight. Um, uh, the Vanguard Group, which is a close neighbor of mine, has have done this for years. They've targeted uh, college students, but they're making a particular push in the historically black colleges and universities to attract people who are going to go into sales. And they're, they're targeting them early. They're trying to catch them as soon as they can. I'll give you another glimpse. Uh, I'm very intrigued by an organization called CareerWise. And I don't know uh, whether others are, are familiar with it, but it, it was one that I learned about through a client of mine. And I saw that on LinkedIn, which is an interesting place for news, as you know, they yeah. were touting an apprentice that had been working for the bank. And I go, whoa, 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 time out. Apprentices? No, they work in the trades. Not so, not so much anymore. Career-wise, focuses on national as a youth apprenticeships. And they they started in Colorado under the then governor, now Senator John Hickenlooper. And they've been up and running for about six years. And they've they've focused on all kinds of businesses, including banks. And so just uh, in October of this year, uh, they had a conference, major conference on national youth apprenticeships. And one of the keynote speakers was Jamie Dimon, who basically wow. said, this is important and it works. And it's because J.P. Morgan Chase is experimenting with high school apprentices. Now, a lot of issues associated with it, but that's partly because we have to find people sooner and we have to find the right paths for them. And some of these high school age kids, and I know, uh, Jack, you've got some grandkids. I don't know whether they're uh, as smart as my three-year-old granddaughter and her six-month-old sister, but the idea that there's some smart kids and we have to figure out ways to bring them into the fold. Because I think... I think there's some great opportunities in the financial services industry, specifically in banking, because of the, the demographics that we're living with now. A lot of aging folks, people aging out. There's a there's a whole I used I, I, I know that it was when banking wasn't so cool. Uh, but there's a lot that you can do um, if you're smart. And since I come back to community banks, they ought to find them young, whether it's Maybe high school is too too early for some folks. Maybe college is too early, but you got to get them early and you got to train them up. And you got to you got to make a bet that if you get two for the price of a mediocre commercial banker uh, with tenure, you might actually come out much farther ahead in the long run. I think that's right. And you mentioned commercial banking, and I'd love to pick at. Uh, what you're seeing and what you do see for 2024 around sales in commercial banking. Uh, I've got a bank that I work with that was telling me when I started with them, okay, our branch managers are calling on uh, customers that want these kinds of loans. And then our, our middle market bankers are calling on these kinds of loans. And I said, well, we need to stop worrying about loans and we need to start work at worrying about good customers. So I've changed them over into revenue size Branch managers, a million dollars, the commercial bankers, five million and up. There's that banking in the middle. And one of the things they're considering is a business banking initiative to kind of capture that because that's where a lot of companies are. Where do you see sales going in that whole space, uh, Ned, in uh, 2024? Well, I think you're right in, in helping organizations think not about products, but think about, you know, how you build a relationship. And for most of the people 
that I've been talking to for the last couple of year, uh, couple months anyway, it still will be relationships. A lot of them focused on businesses that might benefit from depository services, cash management. I think that the year ahead is actually going to be a, an interesting one in that I think bankers are going to come to the fore. And uh, in in some respects, branch managers uh, are are good people if they are given the right kind of direction and guidance about who to call on, because that's important, and given the right kind of coaching about the kind of conversations they have they have to have. Uh, I think the the issue with uh, uh, this sort of hole between where the branches play and where the commercial bankers play has to get somehow resolved with this is how we play. Uh, right. I think if you look at most of the customers, the commercial customers of a typical community bank, you know, 45, 50% of them fall in what you and I might define as business banking. And, and business banking for a large organization, you know, can have a rather elastic definition, but usually it's sales size and a degree of complexity. But if you look at that space and you think, how can we help uh, the owners of businesses? Now, you and I uh, can relate very well to boomers, some of whom are still active in their businesses, some who are thinking about transitioning their businesses, which is a big potential topic of conversation because historically bankers haven't engaged uh, on that topic as, as they might have, just to inquire and help people think about this issue. But then you think about, uh, you know, the millennials and even the, you know, the people younger than them who are business owners who are, who are thinking about the world a little bit differently. Uh, and maybe looking to their financial providers to provide different levels of support, maybe more digital tools, but they're still looking for people who can help them navigate, uh, who can help them make sense out of what's going on, who can come up with ideas. And so I think, you know, part of this teaming has got to be, well, how do we integrate not just the branch and the commercial? Maybe we introduce business banking. I mean, I think you've probably seen it as I have. That's a big leap for a community bank to right. put in some business bankers. And, and usually what those people are good at is translating. They're good at translating, you know, some of the, the business type issues uh, that enable them to actually proceed forward. But I, I think one of the, one of the issues, um, and I, I think this is already emerging is that, that people are becoming more focused on segments uh, and the segments may not be just pure sales size. It may be, well, these are the kind of businesses that we can do the best job for. Mm -hmm. uh, or it may be, you know, here are the kinds of uh, problems that we think we can help people solve. You know, a, a huge one I alluded to was treasury management. This is a big area. You know it as well as I do. You, you run a business. I run a business. You know, helping people manage their cash better, particularly in volatile interest rate environments when there are lots of options particularly when people may have some concerns about security uh, and the stability of their banking partners. You know, th these are things where you can actually help. Wealth management, same thing. You know, how can we how can we integrate the knowledge? Oftentimes the silos that have existed historically have not been to our advantage. Uh, I think uh, there's a great quote. I'm probably going to mangle it from Warren Buffett. who said, banking is a great business as long as you don't do anything dumb. Well, it's dumb. <laughs> not to bring expertise that you have in-house to your customers and your prospects. I think one of the things, and, I'll, and I'll, I'll, I'll be interested in your take on it, I think there's, you know, there is this sense that the old model of relationship management, which I've preached, you know, take care of your best customers. There may be some more opportunities there. Don't lose them. Is relevant 
But you have to think about the rest of your customers who oftentimes don't get a lot of attention, who may be being banked by, you know, that bank down the street that's now having some difficulties accommodating their requests, or maybe being banked by a very large institution that's retreating from a marketplace. We've seen, you know, large banks disappear from certain markets uh, or leave a, you know, a, a, a token presence. So you have to think about how, well, the rest of that customer base, you know, one of the things that uh, I think was intuitively obvious is if, uh, if people, bankers are being more proactive, they will get more opportunities. Barlow's done a good job of highlighting that. You know, if you're proactive, you'll find more opportunities and you'll close more business. But I think the idea of, of helping people with targeting uh, sensibly and using their time and using some of those tools that are the fun things that you and I are seeing here. Wow, you can think of what you can do with RelPro's ability to identify who's looking around for what. I mean, that's crazy when you think about it. Or think about the vertical IQ people who can lay out for you. These are the three biggest issues that somebody who has a catering business is worried about. So you can walk in and sound halfway intelligent. And I think bankers are halfway intelligent. A big, big issue is more than just sounding intelligent, being curious and if we can arm people with the social skills to be curious, Jack, curious, boy, a lot of good things can happen. Well, you brought up so many good points. One of the things that irks me is uh, around treasury management is bankers are cheap when it comes to hiring those kinds of people. We need more treasury management people, number one. And then they shouldn't be sitting at their desk waiting for commercial bankers to call them in. They should be very proactive because now, even in 2024, we're still going to want more deposits and fee income. Now's a great time to uh, be able to uh, do that. You talk about value. Words matter. I'm very big, as you know, on resource management. I think that a resource manager is that proactive go-to banker. And too often what happens is the bank says, well, we need more of this. So they'll go try to cross-sell. Well, that's not how to treat a customer. You cross-solve. You solve their problems. And that's a real key. You also brought up branch management, and I'm curious on your take on what you're seeing in terms of branch managers going out and making sales calls, because it's going to continue in 2024. The branches are going to be uh, populated less and less by customers, but business customers do go in there. And I'm, I don't know about you. I'm big on I don't care if the branch manager doesn't want to go make sales calls. That's fine. Find somebody in the branch and teach them to go do it because we need that level of outreach within that branches in those branches. What are you seeing with branch managers, uh, Ned? So I think it's, uh, it's fair to say that um, if you're trying to be successful in, in what I'll call the small business professional marketplace, you've got to be out and visible uh, for many years. The, the, uh, the prevailing wisdom was, you know, branch managers, you're primarily jo your job is primarily customer service, mind the store. Uh, and some of the largest banks built their models around that. Um, and in fact, it, it was a, it was probably a decade or so ago, I was working with a bank that had taken a totally different 
approach. And they wanted their branch managers out. And this was, they were surrounded by the giants. And this was like a head turning uh, approach to cultivating the marketplace. And what they found was one, they could find uh, managers who were very uh, adroit at calling on businesses. And they went through a process. It took a while. Some of the people that ended up in those roles had been commercial bankers uh, who who really weren't being tasked to manage a lot of the day-to-day operations of branches. Uh, and they were extraordinarily good at getting in front of business customers. Now, the, the truth is, um, it's not for everybody, as you point out. I think you have to think about it. The models in branch banking are changing. Uh, I live about um, uh, two miles from uh, one of the newer branches of the J.P. Morgan uh, operation. I say newer because they I don't think they've opened their doors yet, but they're about ready to open their doors. They just built it. Uh, they're putting branches in different markets. Uh, they're for sure doing it strategically. They're not expecting them to be the kind of branches of yesteryear. They're not as focused on transactions as they are for meetings and for communication. Uh, I think that, you know, the the challenge for a lot of branch bankers is going to be to figure out what value they can add uh, through their contacts in the community, through their interactions with customers, uh, and, and emerge, and I think what could emerge is a, a very different kind of uh, branch model, even in community banks, because we're, you know, we're, we're obviously making it easier for people to transact with us digitally. If you look at uh, millennials and Gen Zs, that's what they want. And we're going to give it to them. We are giving it to them. And community banks are, are giving it to them and we'll give it to them. So, so what are your people? Your people have to be people who can help uh, in other ways. And I think part of that is by uh, being very clear about uh, how they can add value uh, how they can assist people with problems that they may be facing. Uh, and, you know, your notion of being a resource is right on. You got to be a resource. How can you be a resource to a small business owner personally and professionally? Right. So. right. Well, you know, I was thinking as I was getting ready for this with you, the last time you and I actually saw each other was physically was at the New York Bankers Association. And I want to say it was 2017. It might have been like seven years ago. Um, And you were teaching a prospecting class and you do it better than anybody. You and I both are very big on prospecting. I always say, how do you get a banker to stop prospecting? And the answer is put a telephone in front of them Um, because it's a challenging kind of thing. What's 2024 going to bring around prospecting in this longer cycle sale situation? Well, I think uh, it may provide some immediate opportunities. Uh, I quoted Warren Buffett a minute or so ago. Bankers are doing dumb things. And it's not dumb to you know have massive reductions in force if those are appropriate. But sometimes, as you know, the choices that people make about who to keep and who to leave are, are very arbitrary, particularly in large organizations. I, I'll give you a classic example. I, there was a, a young fellow who was in a uh, staff role. This has been a very successful commercial banker, and they were looking for a way to grow his skill set, and he took on a staff role. And he'd been in that role for a while, but he's clearly a, a high-performing manager. He's, he's involved in a situation, though, when there was a, a decision to dramatically cut back. In, in this large organization. Uh, and they let him go. 
And mm-hmm. before anybody realized his his immediate boss, who was like a market president, was no longer there to defend his interest. They let him go. He got hired, Jack, within about 12 hours, literally, by a, another major bank who knew of this. But dumb things happen. So a dumb thing that could lead to an opportunity in prospecting is that banker that has always been your nemesis is no longer your nemesis. Um, a, a positive thing that could come out of um, developing people, and this, this sort of gets back to how do we make banking sexier? Uh, I have a, a client who used to say to the young uh, men and women they hired, and I think it's important to say men and women, I used there was a day, Jack, when I'd look out into an audience of commercial bankers and I wouldn't see many women. For sure. Uh, when you see that today, you know there's a problem. Same thing with uh, people of color. I, you know, I think some of the, the the banks that are operating in different marketplaces, if they're not hiring the best and the brightest, they're going to be in trouble. But anyway, I uh, I was thinking about uh, you know this issue of uh, getting people motivated and running. And the old way that this bank used to talk to people, this is a regional bank, say, we hope you have a career here forever. And they change that. They say. We don't know how long you're going to be here, but we're going to teach you things that are going to make you valuable wherever you go. And we're going to put you into situations that are going to test you. And we're not going to hide you in, you know, the credit department forever. We're going to put you out in front of our best customers and we're going to ask you to do things. And and uh, the, this uh, bank CEO was telling me, he said, this has been dramatically, it's been a dramatic change in retention. And a dramatic change in in how motivated people are. I think it does come, you know, prospecting, as you know, is a team sport. You've got to get, you've got to have a, a plan about how you're going to integrate people. And the plan involves, you know, smart touches. You and I probably get touched more by dumb touches than smart <laughs> touches. But the idea that, uh, you know, be smart about, about how and why you're contacting people. Uh, have a strategy that involves integrating senior management. They have to get out. In fact, they don't get out enough. Involve your credit team if credit is maybe a possibility, if not now down the road. Certainly, treasury management has to be part of the conversation. And to your point earlier about getting the right numbers, we got to change the thought process about you know what the right ratios are because it's so critically important that treasury managers. Uh, be out in front on some of these these calls. But I think the idea of building teams, building a plan, uh, having a focus that will enable them to to be successful. They may pick off some low-hanging fruit, but they're also laying the groundwork. Because, you know, in commercial and business banking, unlike in real estate, uh, where opportunities may come fast and furious or certainly more frequently, you don't get a lot of opportunities to win the whole uh, business that you're seeking, but you may have small opportunities. And this is where, can you help somebody with a, a personal wealth management challenge? Could That's be the way they, do you, can you help them with uh, f- the 401k plan administration opportunities? Maybe an opportunity. Can you be that other depository, you know, to be the, the person that, or the bank that uh, gives them a little more comfort that they don't have all their eggs in one basket? There, there are ways to start this, but as you know, it's a it's a it's a marathon, not a sprint. It is indeed, and and I, I you know I want to I want to talk in in conjunction with prospecting about LinkedIn with you in a second. But one of the things you said really sparked something with me, and that is bankers need to think more strategically. I get so many bankers telling me, "Well, I would never connect with one of my competitors." 
Well, you said the exact reason that they they should. Let's say that you're a commercial banker and you've got a couple of competitors um, and you're competing against them constantly in opportunities. Uh, one of them has decided to move to Seattle because of whatever reason. You might know that immediately if you're connected with that person on LinkedIn because their profile uh, changes and their job changes. That opens a ton of doors. We kind of need to think about that. But how are you seeing your clients uh, use LinkedIn as part of the sales process? Yeah, you know, I get calls from people all the time to say, you know, Jack, you've trained a lot of bankers and you used to talk about sales training and prospecting and now all you talk about is LinkedIn. Well, not true. Uh, LinkedIn is part of the sales process. It is not the sales process. What are you advising your banks and what are you seeing around bankers using LinkedIn? So uh, I think... You know, there has been progress, Jack, for, for many years. I thought I was like you, one of the, the prophets wandering in the wilderness and saying, guys, you got to use this. Um, where, where LinkedIn now for for most bankers is viewed as a, a way to, to think about their networks. You know, we can't use the term Rolodex anymore because nobody under age uh, 50 knows what the heck we're talking about. But this is where you keep a lot of your contacts. It's also where you can keep an eye on... Uh, uh, some of the people that you may be interested in. If you're a, a, a middle manager who's now uh, probably, unfortunately, in a lot of community banks, a producing middle manager and producing manager who has to manage his or her book of business and also manage team people, not a good, not a good construct, but um, I might come back to that in a second. But you have to think about recruiting. And you and I both know that you have to always be recruiting, which is not, right. it's not part of the mindset. Um, but if you're thinking about, to your point about who's out there, you know, LinkedIn is a great tool for investigating, you know, backgrounds and trying to see connections. I was with a, a friend yesterday who's uh, had a very successful career in high tech sales. And I actually posed the question to him about what he's seen. And he said, you know, we all start now with trying to see the connections. We're looking for connections. And you know, as well as I do, that some of the, the people that we uh, that we work with and recommend, and I alluded to some of them earlier, but the, you know, the, the Martin Wises of the world and the Susan Bells of the world, they're always looking to see if there's a connection because connections can lead to conversations. Connections can lead to introductions. Conver conversations can lead to a lot of things that, that might be helpful to us uh, as we're trying to move forward. So I think there's there's a greater appreciation among most bankers of how that element works. I think what you're helping people with is thinking about how it fits into the bigger picture strategy. Uh, the solution to your prospecting ills is not LinkedIn, uh, but it's a piece of how you might think about it. What what are you seeing? What, are, what kinds of uh, messages are you getting from folks? Well, one of the nice things about it is that uh, banks now are actually allowing their people to be on LinkedIn. For many years, bank presidents would say to me, well, I don't want my people on LinkedIn because I don't want them to get, get them recruited to another organization. And I said, you've got more of a problem than LinkedIn if you feel that way, if you can't retain your best people. Uh, so uh, a lot more in, in, uh, engagement still looking at it as a, a baseball card tool, which is you buy a pack of baseball cards and you look at them and you put them in the drawer. Um, it's not about, you know, collecting connections. It's about doing something with that. I'm also seeing a lot more connect, um, uh, 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 content being posted, but the content I'm, I'm seeing being posted 
a lot of times is branch opening pictures. And I was at the art show and we had a chamber of commerce dinner and those are all fine. But there needs to be some thought behind this content, because if you want to be viewed as a thought leader, and I, th I think that's a very overused term, if you want to be viewed as that, you need to publish content that is going to get people curious enough to say, I wonder what, what else this person is, is thinking. That's the kind of thing we can uh, we should be thinking about around LinkedIn, as well as as well as many other things. So. I view this as, as a great way to connect with you again, because we just we just talk. It's just kind of fun. Um, I But you mentioned a, a passion of both of ours, and that's coaching and sales leadership. And um, I think it's still a huge missing piece. And I'd like to see in 2024 sales leaders coach more behaviorally, coach more often, be there for their people. What what are you advising your clients and what are you seeing around this whole concept of coaching and sales leadership? Yeah, I think um, one of the things that I'm, I'm encouraging people to do is, is take it more seriously. Uh, and some of it's academic. Uh, you know, I'm a big fan of uh, this particular publication, The Sales Manager <laughs> Survival Guide, which Dave Brock wrote uh, five or six years ago thinking about new sales managers. And that's a, an audience that we have to think about because taking one of your best performers and turning them into a what I called earlier a producing sales manager is probably something that you ought to think long and hard about. But you have to think about how that role uh, is going to develop sales management skills, a critical one being coaching. Uh, and one of the things that often happens is, you know, when somebody moves into that role, or even if he's now a full-time sales manager, is they don't get a lot of guidance and instruction on what they ought to be doing. So that's a piece in the puzzle. The second part of that, though, is if you are in a situation where, for whatever reason, uh, you have to manage a portfolio and manage people, what does that mean? I don't think a middle manager in that role should be doing the same things as an RM that he was doing or she was doing before becoming the manager. I think there could be other assignments. Uh, and some of that might be, you know, all right, so you've got a portfolio, let's try to winnow it down, but let's let's get you involved in some things that might be different. What could that be? Well, you know, help us think through our segmentation strategy, which niches to go after, develop a playbook, work on content, you know, whatever it is that's gonna stretch the person. When it comes to coaching, uh, I think there, there's a lot of um, practical kind of coaching material out there. Uh, one of the things that you and I compare notes on periodically, and you're very good about sharing uh, books that you've read. I think that books, podcasts on coaching uh, can be extraordinarily valuable. Uh, I'll uh, recommend one that you may be following. It's a, it's a wonderful uh, addition to my podcast list it's called coaching for leaders really? and it's written it's done by dave stahoviak i think he's close to 700 podcasts but it's an amazing trove of information about leadership issues coaching being a major one one of the guys that i had never heard of before watching the podcast is a guy named michael bungay stanier does that name ring a bell no so, so he he became famous for a self-published book called The Coaching Habit. Hmm. Uh, he's an interesting, interesting man. He's one of Marshall Goldsmith's you know, top 50 coaches. Uh, one of the things that he talks about are the seven best coaching questions. 
And I saw him being interviewed by Marshall Goldsmith, who you're familiar with. And Marshall Goldsmith says, come on, Michael, cut to the chase. What (laughs) is the best coaching question? And Michael Bungay-Stan, you're kind of hemmed and hot. He said, well, you know, uh, it's not that, you know, it's you're going to laugh. And and Marshall goes, well, what is it? And well, Michael said, well, there's a a mnemonic that I use, and it's A-W-E, awe. That's the mnemonic. It's, and what else? So when you think about when you think about coaching, part of part of what you have to guide people toward is avoiding what Michael Bungay Stanier calls in the other in one of his other books the advice trap. You know, there's a tendency for people to say, you know, uh, all right, do this. You know, they, somebody explains what do this. When in a lot of situations, particularly when it comes to sales and strategy, you know, people need help uh, articulating their strategy. People might need help thinking it through. They don't need somebody that solves their problem. They need somebody that helps them advance. So I think there there are lots of interesting tools out there. I also think coaching for some. I'm doing some coaching right now for uh, a couple of people in different situations. One's a a treasury management person who's been elevated to manage a treasury management team. Needs some help understanding how to coach other treasury management. It's interesting. Uh, I've got some uh, coaching. Producing sales managers, which is why I'm ranting about producing sales managers. They need help. Uh, I think, you know, they're, the, the coaching can come from people inside the organization. The mentoring could take place, could take place from outsiders. Uh, you know, it's stuff that you do extremely well. Uh, I think there are a lot of potential resources. Board members might be helpful. Uh, there are lots of ways that we can help develop the coaching skills. The major thing is making sure that the time is accorded to it. And that it is rewarded, that people recognize it. Well, that's a good catch. And I I think you're right about the producing sales manager. I, you know, I know of a bank who had a, a just a terrific uh sales uh, manager, but he also had to do production. Mm-hmm. And he would do his production first because he was a great RM. Mm-hmm. And then by the second half of the year, he tried to coach his bankers who weren't as good as him. They were never getting the results they wanted. Finally, they said, look, we got to take this guy out of production and make him a full-time sales manager. And things have changed. The turnover is less, the production is much better, and the motivation and the environment is, is pretty significant as well. And you were talking about the role of a manager a little bit ago. I'll tell you a quick story. We, I, I have a, a bank that I know that has a future banker board. And uh, at the beginning of every pipeline meeting, not a pipe dream meeting because they're specific, but or strategic, but a pipeline meeting, they actually, the manager says, okay, tell me about the great bankers you heard this week. Mm-hmm. And what they're trying to do is to populate that board. Well, the way they find that out is the bankers are required sometimes t- sometime during the call to say, hey, by the way, you mentioned your bank or, or you know, hey, let's talk about bankers a bit. Who are the great bankers calling on you? And they're getting names. They're recruiting bankers, but the, the you know, the, the client doesn't know it. And they put the names on the board. The manager's responsibility then is to go to LinkedIn, look, look them up, and to see if there might be an opportunity to have a conversation with them, just to kind of get this started. Bob St. Meyer and I, when we started our company, one of the things we always used to say is, there's a lot of planes circling O'Hare, and we want to keep them up there until one of them lands for us. (laughs) Isn't that true? And the problem is, 
Somebody leaves and there's a complete fire drill. There, there's panic. Well, what are we going to do? How do we separate the, her uh, customer base? Uh, we got to go find somebody. And then what you do is you find somebody that fogs a mirror or can add one and one together. That's the wrong thing to do. As proactive as you and I talk about, we want our bankers to be, our managers need to be as proactive as well. Well, you've given me such great insight, as you always do, and you've been so kind with your time. One of the things I want to talk about is your podcast. You do something called NED Talks. Talk about how that all came about and, and what's NED Talks all about. Uh, thanks for uh, thanks for mentioning that. I uh, wanted to introduce to some of my banker friends some people that I thought they might not normally have interactions with. And it was pretty easy to do sort of what we're doing now, Jack, which is have a conversation with somebody around a topic that uh, they were passionate about and in almost all cases knew a lot more about than I do. Uh, so that was the genesis of it. And it's been fun. I uh, uh, roam a little bit, but I, I try to find things that first uh, may have some applicability to the banking industry. I did one recently uh, that was on how sales managers should leverage CRM. And that's a topic that you know, has been around for a long time, but I found somebody who I, I per personally thought did a really good job of doing it and had him talk. Uh, it's uh, It was easy and fun to do. I uh, I admire the professionalism and the verve that you put into this. Mine are definitely low budget affairs, but I, uh, I've i enjoyed it and uh, probably will continue doing it. And I'm probably going to ask you to be on Ned Talks at some point in the future because you're a much more engaging and entertaining guy than I am. So. Well, thank you, Ned. I I would love that, and that would be a real honor. And speaking of honors, what a, what a great privilege to to chat with you as always. I'm glad your business is doing well. I want to close. You you mentioned a couple of books, and I love Dave Brock. And and I, the the fact that you held the book up and it's all dog eared, and you got post it notes all over it. That's great. But you are about the one of the better educated men that I know uh, around uh, reading and staying on top of things. You've mentioned a couple of books and a couple of folks. Anybody else that we ought to be reading and following? Yes, absolutely. Uh, and I got my cheat sheet here. We talked about some of them. Um, I do think that people should be familiar with uh, Anthony Iannarino. Mm. who has has been a, a publishing wonder kind. If you're a sales manager, Leading Growth came out last year. He's got a, a book that uh, came out at the end of 2023 on negativity, getting the attitude. If you're not a big reader, and I encourage people to read because I think it's one of the ways that we, we can expand our horizons, I would encourage you to follow somebody on uh, their blog. Uh, Anthony Iannarino publishes a lot, as does Dave Brock. Uh, you know, I've been talking about his book, but his Partners in Excellence uh, blog is fascinating and shows you where he's thinking and so on. So I, I put Anthony Iannarino up there. Uh, I remember uh, being impressed from the retail banking side by Allison Netzer and the book that she put together, Think Like a Brand, Not a Bank. And the first uh, chapter of that in and of itself is, is well worth the price of admission, but uh, talks about what would happen if a bank branch manager started to manage your local Starbucks. And, and there've been some hilarious takes based on that, but most retail bankers sort of nod their head and go, yeah, unfortunately that's true. 
the the other thing again that I mentioned in terms of uh, staying current is um, you know think about podcasts and think about subscribing. I would encourage people, Jack, to follow you because you have a stream of very interesting guests, and we'll continue to add to that. Uh, but find some podcasts that fit into your driving time, your walking time, uh, that will enable you to move forward. So those would be a few of my recommendations. Great. Well, Ned, thanks again for your time. Uh, all the best. I hope in 2024, we get a chance to maybe finally get out and play some golf together. And uh, who knows, maybe by mid-year 2024, I'll have you on again, and we'll see how these all these predictions come to pass. That'd be great. I'd enjoy that. Thanks, Jack. Thanks for listening to this first episode of 2024 of Jack Rants with Modern Bankers with my guest, Ned Miller. This and every program is brought to you by our friends at RelPro and Vertical IQ. Join us next time for more special guests bringing you marketing, sales and leadership insights, as well as ideas that will provide your bank or credit union that competitive edge you need to succeed this year and beyond. This LinkedIn Live show is also a podcast. Subscribe to get the latest editions of Jack Rants with Modern Bankers, and don't forget to leave us a review. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, iHeartRadio, and others. Now visit our website too, themodernbanker.com for more information, and don't forget to sign up for our free public library at themodernbanker.com slash public library. And in 2024, Every day, every month, make today and every day a great client day.